What's better than one, John? Here's Johnny. Hmm. Nobody really knows. That's why we put two of them together. This is Kenzano and Wilner, a.k.a. John and John. Welcome to a new edition of Kenzano and Wilner, the podcast. I'm John Kenzano. You can read me exclusively now at johnkenzano.com. That's where you get my columns. Uh, grab a free subscription. Grab a paid subscription. Uh, if you want in-depth reporting uh, and uh, my commentary along with it, you get it at johnkenzano.com. John Wilner of the Bay Area News Group is here. Wilner, tell him where to find you. That's our mothership, the Bay Area News Group, Pac12Hotline.com. We are syndicated all across the Pac12 footprint media outlets. And uh, at Wilner Hotline is the Twitter feed. We got an uh, important game tonight, and it's an NFL game. You're going to be watching? Yeah, I'll be watching, and I think the Pac-12 will probably be watching on Amazon as the NFL makes this foray into Thursday night football streaming and people, uh, I think, uh, clamoring around the country trying to figure out how they can stream the game. I mean, I know Amazon has hired thousands of employees. I wrote about this today at johnconzano.com that will be manning a call center because they're anticipating a bunch of calls and people needing to troubleshoot how to get to their streaming service. And, of course, we're all wondering, will the Pac-12 end up as Amazon as a partner? The Pac-12 currently engaged with Amazon and ESPN and others probably in a negotiation. Andrew Marchand, who is a sports media columnist for the New York Post, recently did a podcast. He had some things to say that caused a stir in the Pac-12 footprint. I want to play that. I think the Pac-12 and ESPN, hundreds of millions of dollars apart. They are not even close. So that is going to be interesting uh, where that goes uh, in terms of negotiations and will teams jump? Because when you're that far apart, that means something has to happen. And I'm not saying it's going to happen. I don't have information on this, but something just maybe a little conjecture. Do one of the digital players get involved with uh, the Pac-12, right? Apple, for example, loves to buy everything and then sell subscriptions. And they did that with the MLS. The Pac-12 just had this problem of not being, you know, with the Pac-12 network and you couldn't find it. And it's, you know, obviously not as successful as the ones that partnered with uh, Fox or ESPN. But money talks. And if Apple can make the case that we're going to pay you, we're going to bundle the Pac-12 and they can get the money that they're looking for, uh, maybe that maybe they come into the picture. But right now, the issue for the Pac-12 and perhaps the Big 12 as well is just leverage. You know, I could see there are hundreds of millions apart for sure. I mean, that's that's what happens with negotiations, right? I don't know if it's any indication as to whether they're more or less likely to reach an agreement, but I would assume that that is a he's talking about the totality of a deal, right? I don't think he's my guess is he's not talking about them being hundreds of millions apart in a on a, you know, an annual basis, right? So, you know, if you sketch out the math, I sketched out the math. Let's say the Pac-12 shoots for the moon, right? And they go to ESPN and say, we want a five-year deal, let's say four, $420 million a, a year, right? Which would be pretty high based on the, you know, what I've seen and, and the numbers I've I've heard from industry analysts. And then, the, so ESPN comes back and says, oh, that's way too high. We'll give you $330 million for five years, right? So that's a difference of 450 million that is hundreds of millions and that doesn't mean that they can't come to uh an agreement somewhere in the mid to high 30s 
I think this is mostly negotiation. What do you think? As a fan or a listener, you've got to you've got to look at who's talking and what are they saying, right? Those two things. Uh, and you you know you have the New York Post sports media columnist who is East Coast based who is putting this information out. I think he's a good reporter. I think he's well sourced. But I have no doubt in my mind that this intel is coming out of ESPN's camp. And so, you know, this is a negotiation. And I think ESPN, much like they did with the Big Ten negotiation, wanted some of their viewpoint out there. Uh, And it kind of signals to, I think, the rest of us that the Pac-12 is probably looking for leverage. It's probably turning towards the streaming partners, as you mentioned, you know, will they go to a streamer? And maybe pivoting a little harder towards a streaming partner, maybe to get some leverage in this negotiation, maybe because they're serious about putting Pac-12 games on Amazon or Apple. So I kind of looked at it as there's a negotiation. Here's a little leak that came out. Um, And I think it's really interesting that we have this NFL thing going on in the background because I think we're all going to get an idea of like, okay, how does that work? Like, let's see how it goes on Thursday night football. I think it's important for listeners to remember that In the past, Amazon has simulcast the Fox production. Fox handled the cameras, the production truck, the crew. This year, for the first time, Amazon is the exclusive rights holder. Amazon is going to be doing the production. Amazon's got the crew. It will provide a a real look into the future of sports media for any leagues, any college conferences that want to partner with Amazon and and the Pac-12 very well could be, you know, at the top of that list. We'll we'll see how it goes, but I think that they are very serious about partnering with Amazon at some level, right? I don't know about an all-in deal like all the football content on Amazon Prime. That seems a little to me that seems like it's it's going too far. I spoke with a USC professor named David Carter, who's a sports business and a sports marketing guy um, about this. Um, You know, and he said in 10 years, he thinks everyone's going to be streaming. Right. And Bob Thompson of Fox Sports Networks thinks, you know, it's eventually moving in that direction anyway. But they both agreed that it's too soon right now to go all in with a digital partner. Um, Carter said, you know, you you don't want to be too late because. If you're too late to the digital world, you leave money on the table. And you don't want to be too early because if you're too early to the digital world, you also leave money on the table. And I think an interesting thing that's going on in the background of this is the presidents and chancellors of the Pac-12 conference. Like they now know with the expanded playoff coming on the horizon that they're going to have access to the playoff. Will that be enough for them to go, look, uh, all that matters to us now is money and let's go all in with Apple or go all in with Amazon? MLS, Major League Soccer, had this exact problem in the spring. They went all in with Apple. Like, they had to pick between the pile of money that Apple was offering, $2.5 billion, or go with ESPN and have the glow of the ESPN propaganda machine. And MLS, led by Gary Stevenson, who's the president of business for Major League Soccer, he's a former Pac-12 executive, ironically, Uh, Gary Stevenson and MLS chose to go all in with Apple. I agree with you. I think it's too soon for the Pac-12 to exclusively be with a digital partner, but I won't be surprised to see them take the Pac-12 network inventory, all that stuff on there, and sell that to Amazon, sell that to Apple. I think they're going to go halfway there or dabble in it at least. They're probably going to get more money for their value of football content 
if they did partner with Apple or Amazon, because those companies are not just paying for football, right? They're paying to get to your credit card to sell you merchandise. So they're more likely to pay, you know, $11 million per game than say ESPN, which is offering 9 million a game. You know, I'm just throwing numbers out there, but that's the, that's the issue that the, the conference is going to need to calculate. And I think, you know, ideally, this is just my my hunch is ideally they would love to have, you know, a primary set of football and basketball on ESPN that gives them access to a- to ABC for over the air, all the ESPN PR machinery and then have, a, you know, a secondary package that is on Amazon that provides the kind of makes up the lost ground on the revenue front because they're going to get more out of Amazon per game probably than they would out of ESPN per game. I'm John Canzano. You can read my work exclusively at johnconzano.com. I am with John Wilner of the Bay Area News Group. You can find his work at pac12hotline.com. I want to pivot towards the Pac-12 games this weekend, if we could here, Wilner. Cal's going to Notre Dame, South Bend, Indiana. Cal is uh, a big-time underdog in this game, 10.5-point underdog in the game. The game's on NBC. What's happening in this game in your mind? You know, I, I like Justin Wilcox as an underdog, that's for sure. And I also like the fact that Cal quarterback Jack Plummer has played against Notre Dame when he was with Purdue. And I like the fact that Notre Dame is reeling a little bit, right? If you're Cal and you jump out on them and get early momentum, it, who knows how Notre Dame's going to react? Who knows what the, the crowd's going to be like, right? Plus, Notre Dame's got a new quarterback. Their, their starter, Tyler Buckner's he's out for the year, I think, with a shoulder injury. So, if you're Cal and you're going to Notre Dame for the first time in 50 years, I think it is 50 something years, this is probably the best circumstance you could ask for. I love Justin Wilcox in games against coaching staffs that are wobbling, you know, even, even against Mario Cristobal, who was a great recruiter. Wilcox made Cristobal look bad in a couple games because I just think he's a better game planner, better game manager uh, than Mario Cristobal was. I like Wilcox in this game. I like Cal in the points. I don't know if Cal can win this game, but this game's got like 27-24 written all over it for me. Uh, I hadn't thought about Plummer going in there as quarterback. I think that's a big asset, but I think there's a big opportunity early on Saturday for the Pac-12 to uh, be in a game and maybe pile on Notre Dame a little bit. Uh, The next game after that is in Eugene. BYU going to Eugene. Game's on Fox, 1230. BYU, a a three-and-a-half-point underdog. In Eugene, Wilner, who you got in that one? I I like the Cougars, actually. Uh, and for BYU fans to hear me say that, that will probably come as a little bit of a shock. But, you know, I just uh, – they're good. They just – they're coming off a overtime victory over Baylor at a high-level game. And I still am not sure what to make of Oregon, right? I mean, we saw them – they've, what, won, won one game. They scored 70 in a win against the FCS team, and they got beat 49-3 by Georgia. So they're, like – two extremes there and where's the middle ground for this ducks team you know i'm not sure but i i have a much better feel for where the middle ground is with byu and, and i think byu is good i i kind of like byu to win that game uh give, win that game outright kalani sataki is a fantastic head coach they're very defensive oriented there's some questions about byu's receiving core games in eugene i think those kinds of things tip it to oregon i think this is going to be a really good game and a really close game i agree with you we don't know what oregon is I circled this game on the calendar 
the beginning of the season, everybody else was looking at Georgia, Oregon, and I was looking at week three going, that's the game that defines Dan Landing's first season. We don't know who he is. We don't know who Oregon is. I, I don't know if this team has an identity on defense or offense. I don't think we learned a lot about him in week one or week two for different reasons. And, you know, there's still a Bo Nix question for me at Oregon. And I worry a little bit about Bo Nix in a game against, uh, you know, a very good defensive team. I think BYU in four straight, they, they have allowed 21 or fewer points. Uh, they're good in that circumstance. I think this game is really close. I'll pick Oregon in a close game because they're at home, but I don't feel great about that pick. I think it's uh, this is the game that to me tells me if Oregon's season is going to be worth a damn. If they win this game, I think, you know, they could rally down the stretch and be a team that factors. If they lose this game, it could be a tough year one for Dan Lanning. Yep, no doubt. And I think, uh, you know, the next game, we just saw that, right? Washington State won the game that makes its season, you know, worth a damn. It, it, so to speak, right? That was a huge win for over Wisconsin. Uh, signature victory for for uh, Jake Dickert. I'm wondering, are they in a letdown situation, you know, against Colorado State at home? Uh, conference openers are next week. Boy, it's going to be, this is, a, this is a real trap game for the Cougars. Could be. Two o'clock, Pac-12 networks. Uh, Colorado State comes in there as a 17-point underdog. A week ago, we saw Washington State as a 17-and-a-half-point underdog win the game. I got to believe in Jake Dicker, and I got to believe that Cam Ward can play better than what he showed against Wisconsin. I think that's the real area of improvement if you're Washington State. But I also think Washington State's front seven, they were really disruptive at Wisconsin. Really good really yep. disruptive, like surprised me uh, and how active they were and what, what factors they were. So I like them to win this game. I, you know, I like Washington state to cover the 17 at home. I th I just think that defense is too much. And I don't think Cam Ward, uh, I think he's going to play better. Well, at some point you'd think he's going to start to really get comfortable, you know, with the speed of the game with, you know, his teammates, he knows the playbook, but you know, there's more to it. So, We'll see. It would be if you're Washington State, you you want a, a fast start on offense, right? You just kind of get that that train rolling and not have to rely on your defense, right? There is a there is a, a you know a vulnerability in relying on your defense to carry you week after week after week because at some point that defense starts to wear down, right? And then where are you? So they do need the offense to pick it up, and maybe it'll be this week. Yeah, if Cam Ward doesn't play well this week, I think there's cause for concern in that fan base. So I'll tune into that game and watch it. The next game on our to-do list, Michigan State at Washington, 430 ABC. What do you see? Well, the first thing is it is good for Washington football and it is good for the Pac-12 to have a big-time game at Husky Stadium, right, against a Big Ten team, national TV, right, ABC broadcast. The Huskies have got some momentum. I saw some pictures, you know, the crowd, uh, the crowd for the Portland state game was, was, it was like a UCLA crowd at the Rose bowl, right. Uh, for Bowling green, I expect it's going to be full and, and that's just good. Right. Football on the West coast needs these kind of games. And I, ha I think Washington's going to play great. This is another case where the quarter, the PAC 12 quarterback has got familiarity. Michael Penix played twice. He faced Michigan state twice when he was at Indiana and he put up big time numbers and Kalen DeBoer faced uh, Michigan State when he was the play caller at Indiana. So I, I think the Huskies are in good shape in this one. I, I like them to cover the three and a half. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a I mean, it's really surprised me to see them as a three point, three and a half point favorite. 
in this game against a ranked team coming from the Big Ten. But these, you know, the games we've been talking about today, you know, Colorado State at Washington State, BYU, Oregon, Cal at Notre Dame. I mean, these are all validation opportunities for the Pac-12. And I find myself and maybe I'll kick myself come you know, Saturday night, but I find myself leaning towards this being a really nice weekend for the Pac-12. And if that's going to happen, Washington's got to beat Michigan State. And so, you know what? I'm with you. I, I'll, I'll say it. I think Washington's going to beat Michigan State. I don't know if they cover, but I think they win the game. Yeah, no, I do too. And it's Pac-12 is 16-6 and six so far non-conference play through two weeks. And this is really it. After this weekend, there's only three more non-conference games. You got USC and Stanford against Notre Dame. And you've got Stanford against BYU at the end of the season, right? So really, this is the last chance not only to set the narrative with some of these high-profile games, but also to get the math right. Because if you're 3-0 and coming out of non-conference, and I think there's five teams that can clinch 3-0 and records in non-conference play, then you are, you're halfway to a bowl bid with nine games left. And while certainly we judge conferences on how their playoff, how whether you get in the playoff or not, it's also important to fill your bowl opportunities and to put seven, eight teams into the postseason. And I think if the Pac-12 has a good weekend, the math is going to tip right for a lot of these teams. Fresno State going to USC, 7.30 kickoff on Fox on Saturday night. The spread on this game, USC favored by 12 and a half. Is there a uh, is there a letdown here for USC or do they show up and, and boat race the Bulldogs? Boy, I don't I don't know what to make of them in terms of the letdown situation because you they've got so many new faces and they got new coaching staff and all that. Uh, but I am looking forward to this game. I mean, if it's half as good as the Fresno UCLA game last year, uh, it's going to be very entertaining, right? I mean, I think this has the potential to be something like, you know, 49, 42, uh, you know, Fresno is going to, I think they're going to move the ball. Stanford moved the ball. They just couldn't execute in the red zone. I think Fresno is going to move the ball. Jake Hayner is one of the best quarterbacks in the West. And it, it could be the first time SC gets, uh, you know, really gets challenged. I think SC has had, like they punted three times, you know, they didn't face a third down against Stanford until the last minute of the first half. They need a little bit of a test. Even if that test is through three quarters, they need a little bit of a test, I think. And I would expect Fresno gives it to them. Yeah. I saw Fresno state up close last week. I was at that Oregon state Fresno state game. And Oh, by the way, Jonathan Smith, Man, he's got some stones. I mean, going for going for the win at the end of regulation, but huge call. Yeah, Jeff Tedford, very creative, and he's got a quarterback in Jake Hayner who can sling it. I mean, Hayner made a couple of throws in that game against a pretty experienced Oregon State secondary that were just outstanding. He's got receivers. He's got two in particular that are dangerous. He's got a running back, um, and then you've got Fresno State walking around with a chip on its shoulder, like it always does. And you know, I know the Bulldogs circled that one on their schedule like they they fresno state recruits a bunch of kids from southern california and the bay area and when they get in those games against pac-12 teams they walk in going you know you didn't recruit me i'll show you and so i think there's a real opportunity here for fresno state to be in this game i also look at usc this season they have not turned the ball over wilner they are they have zero turnovers this season and kind of feel like they're a game is coming where you know they get a tipped pass or they fumble or whatnot so i'm kind of looking at this game going you know if usc starts looking ahead to conference play i think fresno state uh, could be in this game 
I think Fresno State plus 12 and a half points is really interesting because I think they're going to score on USC. And the over-under is 74 and a half. I'll go over. I'll take USC to win this game, but I think Fresno State's within 12 and a half. Yeah, fascinating. I mean, if you're talking Western third of the country, combination of, you know, creative offensive minds and quarterbacks who have the, you know, the aptitude and ability to to maximize the coach's creativity. Jeff Tedford and Jake Hayner are on the shortlist. And so obviously Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams. So this is two of the best, you know, coach quarterback combinations going against each other. It's going to be a, a terrific game. And it's interesting, you know, it is on big Fox, right? It's an over the air network. This is the, I believe the second time Fox has shown uh, a game at starting at seven 30 on a PAC 12 campus. The last time last year they showed Stanford SC at seven 30 on the broadcast network. And so we'll see this, it, you know, we could see more of this from Fox in the future uh, with teams, but, but the fact that it's on network TV makes it uh, even more appealing. I think it's going to be highly entertaining. That 74 and a half total for the game is the largest total in college football this week. Like so you're expecting the most points of any game. So I think, I think it's going to be wild pack 12 after dark, all that. Uh, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Make sure you're reading John Wilner, the Bay Area News Group. Wilner, tell them again where to find you. Pac12hotline.com at the Bay Area News Group and outlets across the Pac12 footprint. Read me exclusively at johnconzano.com. We're going to be back next week. I'm going to give a little tease here. We're going to be back next week with a special guest. We've got big guests uh, on the horizon, on the calendar. We start with our first big guest interview next week. So make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss anything.